all of the resources that we've been given, all of the wealth, education, advantages that every one of us has, the house that you live in, everything, every breath that you take, the resource given to you for building God's kingdom, given from Him to you that He might work through you. So then last week as we looked at chapter 18, we, we jumped on all of this together. It was quite a lot really as we look at it. A couple of parables, uh, a couple of situations, all pointing to the same to the same truth that we will find no hope in God until we find no hope but God. All of these pictures are of desperation. We have to be desperate to come as beggars before the King. The reality is we are all beggars. But if we pose as fine, upstanding citizens, if we pose as something other than beggars, then we cannot find the mercy of the king. We can't even get an audience. We come on our knees and not at all. Then we get into chapter 19, and the very first vignette we see here is of Zacchaeus, that wee little man. A wee little man was he. And where is he? He's up in a tree, but even as he's up in a tree, he finds himself moving downward. He climbs up to see Jesus, and when he encounters Jesus, he comes down. And physically, he comes down from the tree, but spiritually, emotionally, rationally, he comes all the way down to his knees on his face.
Basically, when Jesus said something to Zacchaeus, he called. Jesus called to Zacchaeus. He had obstacles blocking his view, so he climbs a tree. And when he gets in that tree, Jesus looks up to him and he says,
grace is sufficient for us. Not, specifically says, not of works, not of anything that you can do. You can't earn it, you can't sustain it, you can't maintain it. You're not even seeking Him according to Romans 2. All Christ. Not any good of it. This is important for us to recognize in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't saved because he was looking for Jesus. But not because he diligently climbed the tree to overcome the obstacles that he was saved. He was saved because Jesus reached out to him and he responded. Notice our next point. Zacchaeus welcomed. Zacchaeus wanted, Zacchaeus climbed. Jesus said or called. Zacchaeus welcomed. He responded to the kindness of Jesus. Now, don't miss out on the fact that Zacchaeus, like all of us, was very well aware of how people were People particularly, I don't know that anybody really is actually like the who, who loves the IRS? We, we tend to really make a lot of jokes about the IRS, whether they're justified or not. They just, you know, uh, we make a lot of jokes about the IRS. That's not even extracting the surface of how these folks felt about that. Roman government, so he was seen as a traitor. Imagine, if you as an American, picture your next door neighbor who actually is employed by Al Qaeda or some, or ISIS, employed by a group that is specifically anti-American. How do you feel about it? Feel really great? I'm not talking about somebody who uh, practices Muslim faith. That's not at all what it's talking Someone who is actively employed by an entity seeking the destruction and harm of your people. about that. That's how the Jewish people felt about On top of that, the tax collectors got paid out of what they collected. And were pretty well known for cheating to get rich. They're going to take more than they need to take and enforce it with the guard to back them up. Consider it protection money. They're basically mob bosses. And he in particular, as a chief tax collector, he's like the godfather. Right? So picture the godfather, only the godfather working for not very favorable reputation. Nobody likes Zacchaeus, and he knows it. He may even pride himself in it. Sometimes we do that. When we get rejected and we're cast out, we tend to pride ourselves, like, I'm going to wear that as a badge of honor. Your hatred fuels me. So that's probably not too dissimilar to how he felt. And yet, reaches out to him in kindness. He doesn't say, get down, you wretched sinner, that I might condemn thee before all these people. Welcome. 
saying half of what I own, whether I got it gainfully or not, or however it works out, however I got this, half of what I own, I'm giving it to right now, bang, done. Done. I'm saying this publicly, so there's no going back. Everybody knows.
son of Abraham. Let's read that. Verse, verse 9, verse 10. Verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. Notice he speaks to him, but then he speaks in the third person. He's speaking to Zacchaeus specifically so that everybody around him can hear. All those who are judging him hear this declaration of his salvation. It's in essence saying what he's said straight along, nobody is beyond the reach. There are no outsiders to this call. The least, the last, the lost, the Gentile and the Jew alike, male, female, slave, free, rich, poor, it does not matter. The call goes out to all. Jesus is here to seek and to save. Verse 10 points out this. Saving sinners is why he came. Saving sinners is why he came. Now, notice that Jesus, in declaring him the son of Abraham, is saying something very unique. He says this about the woman that was healed previously on the Sabbath. Is not this daughter of Abraham also healed? You want to understand what Those are sons of Abraham 
are Jew or Gentile. Verse 16. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all.
salvation is ours to receive because it is His to give. It's only His to give. There is no other way. He came into the world to save sinners just like me, just like you. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy 1. Priority to seek and to save the lost, no matter who they are.